0: Next. Hey, good day, mate. Okay, uh, can I have a resume, please? Um, uh, here you go. This this is a, a napkin.
1: Well, I uh, just came from the other job, uh, working at uh, Biscuit in the Basket, or as we call it in uh, Australia, uh, Biscuit on the Barbie.
0: All right, so I, I'm guessing you don't have a resume.
1: Well, that is that is me.
0: Yeah, well, no, no. All right, well, what, what's your name? Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang. Boomerang. boomerang boomerang what's what's your uh super ability
1: i'm uh the best there is at boomerangs uh-huh. you, need you some, find, you find that to be a useful skill yeah all the time you need some office supplies throw it out get them for you bring it back
2: mm-hmm.
1: look at split chop and, chop and you're a captain in
0: what organization uh, well you know it's kind of just the honorary title an honorary title oh, uh, from like a university or something? Uh, yeah, correspondence course, really, mostly. Correspondence course. What was the name of the school? Uh, uh yeah, Crikey, U. Let, let, let's let's just cut to the bottom line here, really, because I think we're wasting a little time. What do you think you have to offer that would make you a good intern? Boomerangs. All right. Uh, thank you for your time. Next. All right. Next. Hey. Hello. Good day, mate. Yeah, I. I I wanted the next guy. I didn't want you to come
1: back again. I'm on the next one. I there was there was another. Oh, oh are you the that, same guy that was just no, here? No, 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 no. Captain boomerang Boomerang. Oh yeah, boomerang. no, no, you've got me confused with my brother. That was my brother. Well, who he, are he you? came in first? Me. I, I'm his brother. And, and what's your name? Well, I mean, I've uh, I've got much more skills than he does. He 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 pff, he's boomerangs. Silly. Me, I am proficient in three deadly types. of... Of weapons, I can crush you, I can cover you, and I can poke you and cut you. And what's your name? Sergeant. Sergeant Rock, Paper, Scissors.
2: <laughs> what?
1: Next! Jeez, maybe I should have said Colonel Yo-Yo.
0: Back to the bin. I'm bringing my Tampa Bay Comic Con book report. All right. Well, you're going to have to wait until we bring it in then, don't you? Okay. You sit and you wait until you're spoken to, young man. I got boomerangs. (laughs) Uh, Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and no matter how hard I try, I'm still surrounded by Bill Robinson. G'day. And Scott Haggard Gardner. That's a good one. I like that one. Let's go with that. How about Wholesome?
3: That starts with a W, W, you (laughs)
0: dumbass.
3: (laughs) It's a silent W. Why don't you sit back and be a silent W, okay? (laughs)
2: It's
1: like the
3: the W in Bill. It's like the roadie (laughs) Woody debate. Wholesome, wholesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This one's off to a great start already. Oh, man. How you guys doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How about you? I had a tough week, but I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, fairly really so, good. All right, well, thanks for joining us. And uh... yeah, it's been it's been a good show. <laughs> uh, Doctor Bill, why don't, you, why don't you give us your Tampa Bay Comic Con book report? And Scott and I will be back in about twenty minutes. <laughs> hey, it's just in. It was crowded. No, I
1: actually did get to go to Tampa Bay uh, Comic Con. My boss uh, surprised me. I think on Wednesday or Thursday, and said, "Hey, how would you like to go to to Comic Con?" Because they he had asked me earlier, and I was like, "Well, you know, it's it's just, you know, we didn't get the free passes. It's like it's forty bucks a piece. You know, I'd like to go with Ben, but you know, it's I, I'm just not, not gonna go because that was gonna be eighty dollars just to go. Really, eighty dollars just to walk into a room to buy more shit. <laughs> kind of doesn't make sense sometimes when you think about it. But I know you know the cons. You it's, it's I don't know. The con, the operative word there, I think, is con, and I'm probably not helping our case to ever get a freebie into Tampa Bay Comic Con by what I'm saying. But hey, um, screw them. They had yeah. their chance. We applied. Mm-hmm. We jumped through all the hoops,
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: just pulled the rug out. Yeah, even my uh, my friend Dave, that works in in the media, he said that there was a change in management from last year because last year they said basically we just put it in too late. Uh, but he said there's a whole different people uh, running it now. Right. And it did seem a little different. Remember how last year when we went, we were all locked in the convention center and there was <laughs> no food? And they set fire to the place. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this year it was it, it was kind of funny because it was, it was stormy outside, but not the heavy, heavy rains. Right. Uh, but there was food trucks lined up. It, remember when you and i drove up there on the friday and we picked up our tickets uh one day ahead right and there was all that brick area and the big circle with the flags and stuff right all in that area they had like about a dozen different food trucks
3: hmm. so i don't yeah, recall lo- seeing that when yeah, we Yeah, they out. learned from last year then because that was not yeah that was not there last year yeah, and they even made an announcement. Um, they're like, "Oh, are you
1: tired of waiting in line inside? There's we have numerous food trucks right outside." Blah blah blah. And so, <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't say blah blah blah, but
3: blah. <laughs> blah, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. Get your food. Oh, they had. Uh, <laughs> they had Bill Cosby was working the. Yeah, well, working we the, got the pudding pop. You know, and this is the special we got the food one trucks the, and
1: the blah blah blah. And, we got the cat tranquilizer with the bed in the back. <laughs>
0: Here you go, little lady. I got a special pudding pop for you. Is that Bill Cosby or. uh... (laughs) Well, what's his name? It kind of morphed into somebody else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't keep track of who I am and all my voices. (laughs) I'm just losing
3: myself. Who am I? This is what you get when you get a bunch of old men podcasting after 9 o'clock at night. That This this is what you get, folks. I didn't even for, get
1: home till 9.15. For us, birthday.
3: this is late, late night fun.
1: Right. Yeah,
3: that's what I mean.
1: <laughs> I know. You know, we had the early bird uh, dinner at like 4.30. <laughs>
3: at the Golden Corral.
0: At the Golden Corral. Yeah. But it, it sounded to me like if you crossed Bill Cosby with Ernie Chan.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the Chan. <laughs> You're
1: coming back at Eggroll Truck. I show you a good time.
0: Oh, uh, we are gonna I'm get tired. letters.
3: No, Bill Look, will.
1: I'm surprised the Ernie Chan <laughs> email hasn't come pouring in. Yeah, no kidding.
3: Uh, so what'd you get? What was your What was your swag? What was your takeaway? My takeaway
1: is, which I believe I've already sh- I picked something up for you, which you've already seen.
3: Yes. Correct? Actually, yes. before you get into that, celebrity oh. encounters. Any celebrity encounters? Um, other than artists, I talked to and bought things from. Yeah. What What artists did you did you talk to and buy things from?
1: Well, shake hands
3: I, with. I met um, Bernie Wrightson. Wow, oh, you lucky bastard.
1: Who is looks like Chris Honeywell, but older. Ooh, that's frightening. Poor and guy. He, and I felt kind of sad
3: because he's right next to Bob Layton. I would, too. I mean, if there's some other poor son of a bitch that looks like that, I'd feel really bad for them, too. <laughs> well, he just he looked like the Crypt Keeper. Right. He's, he, but, but he's just this little old man,
1: and he's sitting... At his booth, and he and, and he just has a couple prints, like maybe about six prints, laid out in front of him, and um, he's just casually sitting there. And people come up and talk to him, and he's like, not he nods politely, has some small talk, signs a few things. Uh, and correct then me if
3: I'm wrong. Back in the day, didn't he look kind of like a like a skinny uh, Jerry Garcia back in the hmm. day?
1: Well, I'm not sure, but he had okay, no I big
3: think he did. tufts of hair or facial hair. It was like very. Very,
1: very, very conservative looking. Then, suddenly, his hand slowly creeps up, and he's got a vapor.
0: <laughs> and oh, he's like,
1: God. and he slowly puts it back down, and <laughs> he looks around. Because <laughs> uh. I don't think you're allowed to be in there vaping
3: <laughs> in the convention hall. <laughs> he's just, like, casually. Phew. Now, has he gone back to Bernie with one eye, or is he still uh, affecting the E on the end? Uh, I think I saw the E. Um the
1: um I uh, paid 20 dollars for a print and his signature i I shook his hand I said thank you for for your work um there was a few of the guys that came up that brought like a brought a uh a copy of the creep show comic from the movie mm-hmm. and he he told them that he says he believes that's going to be re-released soon oh uh, nice so I'm assuming he gets a certain cut of that um so you know that was like a little story that i glommed from it but but he's right next to bob layton who's got all this stuff and a big poster thing you know what bob layton's um booth looks oh, like yeah yeah and then little bernie's just sitting there like him and i i'm assuming it was his wife and and you know he's just casually just kind of smiling chilling out puffing on his vapor you know <laughs>
3: very relaxed he does look a lot like Honeywell. i'm looking at pictures of him here now but i'd swear that back you know back in the the 70s and maybe even the early 80s when uh you know when he was kind of at the height of his popularity and so i swear that i saw pictures of him in like fanzines or something in and you know he had the the hippie hair and the beard and bushy beard and all that, but I don't know maybe I don't he's kind it. of a different artist, but he just looks like an old hippie now. But damn, know. I mean I love his art, but then uh, if you if you do a Google search for him, there's a there's a, a significant number of nudes by uh, by Bernie and that are just. Well, I didn't get a wow. nude. <laughs> damn, this oh. Chewbacca his is really good too. He he's a he's one of my favorites. He really is. I I don't think I realized he was going to be there. That might have actually changed the game a little bit if I'd have realized he was going to be there. Well I should say
1: I did offer you one of the free tickets.
3: you did yeah. you did
1: but we couldn't quite we couldn't quite swing it because by then you would already made alternate plans for the days that you had taken off for that con yeah because because like I said I didn't realize it I didn't know about these until like the day before the con or maybe two days before the con two days because yeah I had to make it into the office to pick up the tickets um, on Friday.
3: was he a Floridian? Bernie? I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. So That's just as Br- well, because, you know, just looking, just, just on a cursory glance, you know, doing a quick Google search, you know, all I did was just Google search, and Bernie Wrightson and, and clicked on images. I would have had a hell of a time trying to pick something to, to take for him to sign, because there's just mm. so much stuff that he's done that... Uh, well, he, I, he,
1: he only really had about six impressed. prints. Uh,
3: the one I got has uh, Batman
1: in... Not really the background, but it has Batman. And then inside, standing hunched in front of Batman is Swamp Thing. Kind of like crouched down in in right. front of him. Right. Uh, so I I I got that print from him. Uh, right next to him was Bob Layton,
2: who mm-hmm.
1: I had a discussion. I was going back and forth between this one print that he had that he said was commissioned. It was like, I guess, on the inside art of the first Iron Man DVD. And it it has individual iron man figures in it in the different outfits and because he said he was commissioned by paramount because remember paramount was in charge of that then not Marvel hadn't hadn't broken off on its own so they wanted one picture to encompass all of iron man's history right he's like (laughs) yeah so that's why so it's it's much smaller figures i kind of gave him a hard time i'm like you know, Bob, I don't see uh, the roller skate Iron Man anywhere on here, and he just kind of looked at me and smiled. He goes, <laughs> oh, "It's that second one there. He doesn't have him. Uh, he's not using him at the 2nd I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so, so we chit chatted, and I finally got the Scarlet Centurion print, the nice. one where it, it's kind of battle damaged on on the arm, and he's looks like you know he's 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 been in a fight. And, and everything. Um, and then a- after we talked and he signed it and everything, I turned and I walked away and I go to Ben, did I pay for that? <laughs> and Ben's like, I don't know. So I turned back to him I'm like, I don't think I paid for this. He's like, oh, well, that just goes to the honesty of my fans. <laughs> That's you. cool. Well, the next place I went and I went to Michael Golden's booth. I bought a um, I guess he's doing a lot of the variant Star Wars covers. And he had a black and white of a stormtrooper like that shooting head on at you, and then he had one in color. I bought the one in color, and I also picked up a a nice one with Captain America and all his uh, some of his his um, foes and friends mixed in the background. It's a nice action shot. Cap's like kind of forefront. Um, I'm gonna I'll post all these up on on back back to the bins, um, and then Scott, this is kind of a fun story. I got entered in a raffle because I bought two prints. So, and the raffle was happening in like 10 minutes. So I stuck around for the raffle. There was 10 of us. I was number five. Five alive. And um, long story short, they picked me. I got to pick a free print. Now, when I had took the other two prints up to get them signed, I said, hey, my friend and I met you at Megacon about two years ago, and he was one of the people that got all the people right on your print. For the Marvel Universe, you of course you remember that Scott.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: So, um, so for my so when I won the raffle, I chose that same free print that <laughs> that you won. Well, I mean but that's what I chose for my free print. Right. So I now have that print as well. Nice. So that's beautiful, then, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. So the the last place that uh, I bought stuff from <laughs> was our buddy John Pinto. That we bought a lot of stuff from last year mm-hmm. and uh this is where you can spill the beans on what i got you if you'd like oh go ahead oh well oh before i get to pinto i also picked up uh you and paul and um well like somebody else i don't want to say and he'll he'll get his eventually uh it was the free posters for the for the convention where it's uh neil adams did the art which you guys have seen it. It's nice. Captain Bucky on a mm-hmm. motorcycle with fighting Nazis, with them in the foreground and in the front and everything. And it's just right. got you know Tampa Bay Comic Con, so it's a pretty nice print, I think. Hey, they were I free. It was
0: cool. Yeah, it looked yeah. nice with it, from from what I saw.
1: Yep. So um, so I went over to John and uh, which we're gonna try to strike up a a uh, some stuff on Facebook and set up to have him on the show talk some art nice. and whatnot. <laughs> So I got you a Captain America that's basically done up like a by war bonds with cap on it in his World War II costume in his mm-hmm. fighting costume, not the one where he was doing shows. Right. From the movie. Yeah. From the movie. And like like his legs are kind of faded out and the and the words are over, you know, you you can see the words through his legs and stuff. And it has like an old weathered look to it and everything. Uh, I also that's picked cool. up. One from the movies, um, not not movie, um, the the TV show Psych that was on
0: USA. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. Psych, no. Mm-mm. Well, excuse me. Oh. No, I'm just saying like, when you <laughs> do something to somebody and you go Psych. Oh. I'm <laughs> making fun of the show. Just making fun of the word. Gotcha.
1: And then I also got um, a Force Awakens a piece that he did, and I don't see what else is over there. Because I bought four, so I got the Force Awakens, Psych, Captain America. The hell else did I buy?
2: Hmm.
1: Huh. I'll see it. I'll figure it out later. I'll find it. I know I bought four of them. Ah, so yeah. Now, when, was, when
3: we when we spoke when you were actually at the con, you were saying that you didn't think you were going to do any bin diving just because it was so mobbed. Did you ever get a chance to do any?
1: I I glanced and it, it was it, there was so many people there. It seemed like there was more people there this year than last year because the um you remember how in each end there was a lot of room right well they kind of changed it around and it didn't it seems like there were more booths i don't know if there was more artist booths i don't know it was just just seemed like a lot more a, a lot busier this year right um hmm. i didn't really see any fantastic bin things ben isn't really into diving into bins because he's just kind of like you know right um I glanced in at one or two, and some of the prices were, were crazy. little story that came out of there, though, is that apparently so there was this a Is this a real life? No, no, no. Not for well, me, because it didn't happen to me. If it was real life, I, I would be probably going to jail if I was the one that stole. Apparently, one of the vendors it went missing.
3: You need to check if- your Facebook. Why?
1: Because <laughs> I posted an addendum to this story, but go ahead. Oh, no, I hadn't... Okay, I don't know what your addendum is, but I call, you know, the fact that these were in well I don't know. I I probably shouldn't cast dispersions or say things, but I I, I think something stinks
3: in the story. Yeah, it does. What stinks is that the guy's a freaking dumbass because it turned out that they were never missing well, they were never stolen at all. They were just misplaced because they did turn up. Oh, okay. So I don't know this this person personally, but, it, it you know, to me, if you're going to report, what was it, something ridiculous, like $85,000 $85, worth of comics stolen, then make sure it's stolen. Don't put that out there and freak everybody oh, yeah, out I saw and get everybody all, all, all these worked people, up people, only to oh, later yeah. go, oh, gee, I, I guess I just misplaced a box, dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why so. you'd take that.
1: Well, I... Who's gonna walk up and buy a twenty thousand dollar comic book? Why now, would I know you even that bring you know
3: that? I'm I'm glad that there was a good resolution to the story though because it, it it makes what I'm about to say idiot. maybe maybe a little bit maybe it, it it takes a little bit of the edge off of it that normally maybe a lot of people would be all pissed at me for saying this but here's the thing I. I I have a lot, I have a hard time feeling really bad about that when it's $85,000 worth of products and you're being that about, yeah, exactly. Really? And I just, I don't know, something like that. I almost feel like they're actually rubbing your face in it. Well, I'm such a big deal comic book thing that I've got $85,000 worth just in this box alone. I'm like, screw you, you know? So, yeah, I wasn't terribly sympathetic oh, yeah. to begin I, with. I, I, and then, I saw... you know, two days later, you see the story that, oh, gee, I just misplaced the box. It's like, asshole. So hey, I, you got to well, be then...
0: real dope to misplace $85,000. worth. Yeah,
3: it? I mean,
1: come on, really? Oh, yeah, because there was things that were saying, whoa, there's there's nothing conclusive on the, on the surveillance. Well, yeah, because nobody stole it. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, one of the first things that I, when it was brought up in the thing that it was insured, I was kind of like, huh, hmm, insured, huh? I mean, I guess you would be smart to insure it, but it was kind of like, yeah, maybe they're not really missing. Maybe they were never stolen. Maybe you just said they were stolen. Mm -hmm. But, hey, I don't know this guy, so I shouldn't be saying that. But there was something about this story that just didn't pass the smell test with me.
3: The whole thing stinks.
1: Stinks to high heaven.
2: Yeah. Smells (laughs) a (laughs) kickback.
1: I don't know what movie that's from, but I know it's from a movie. So, but, yeah, um, uh... We heard when, um, uh, yeah, what's his name from The Walking Dead when he popped his head out of his little, like, you know, uh, was it the character? Oh, I am blanking on the guy's name, the guy that plays Dick's Daryl.
3: Oh, on- uh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy, yeah,
1: much like when uh, Pugstani Phil pokes his head out, and you know, <laughs> it was we knew when Daryl Dixon popped his head out because we heard thousands of women cry out at once. Ah! Yeah, six more months of Walking Dead. Is that is that yeah. how that works? We're going to get six Walking Dead will come 6 months early this
3: year. So <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Reedus, Norman Reedus That's his Norman name. Norman Reedus. Oh yeah. Didn't even look that up either. Reedus rhymes with Beatus, that's how I remember that. The Beatus. <laughs> so,
1: yep, that was it. We Oh, and how stupid were we i found a great place to park there was a whole big parking garage where like the exact opposite of where we we parked
2: mm-hmm.
1: like another block or so over there's like a 10 store a 10 story parking garage we could have parked in we didn't have to like search for a spot on the street whoops yeah <laughs> it was like six bucks for the time that we that we were in there oh and we parked next to a a, a car that had a stormtrooper on the window oh, like a cool. like a plat it was like i uh, do Ben's like, oh, it's good to know we'll have protection here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. Just get get going, laughing boy. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Oh, and
1: as we were entering the the con, uh, this will be the last story about the con, then we'll move on to books or emails or whatever. Um, As we were walking in, there was a lovely, uh, I guess a religious person or whatever, who was spouting out about abortion. And that's fine. She had some disgusting posters up and stuff. I'm not going to get into my stance on it. But if you're I don't know, I want to say maybe she was religious because I I talked to my wife about this. I said, yeah, this woman was standing there and she's moderately covered up and dressed. And she's just she's pointing out the women that are walking into the con, either dressed as Harley, you know, Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad or whatever. And she's like, you're dressed like a prostitute. And she's just called you're a whore. (laughs) Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, and I guess since she's on the public area, they couldn't really get rid of her, because remember last year we ran to the other guy that had the big sign up and was preaching the Bible to the people walking to to, to the con. Well, now oh, they had like yeah. a couple corners tied up, and they had this woman right at the entrance. And you know, my wife's like, you know, what did she say? Uh, judge not, yes, lest ye. Be. What did you say, honey? Judge not, yes. Let's lest ye be, be judged. Be, judge lest shall itself. be judged. Yeah, that shows how up I am on my scripture. Good night, Katerina. Good night. And now Alvin's in here.
3: I don't know. People like that irritate me because I consider myself uh, a fairly religious person. I think people like that just, uh, I, I think they embarrass us. You know, I think they, I mean, they get the I mean, she whole had thing. a microphone. It just wasn't yeah. that she was yelling,
1: like, in a yelling voice. She had her own little sound system and was like, you're dressed like a prostitute. You're a whore. She was talking blah, blah, to Bill. <laughs> well, I
0: was what wearing. The, what my the hell were Qu- you
1: dressed as? I was wearing my <laughs> Harley Quinn outfit with the short shorts.
3: Uh, okay, you were dressed like a whore, and you
1: know. When you were here, old... you
0: were dressed kind of like a whore.
1: <laughs> what? Oh well, I did have my Spider Man lingerie.
3: You're a man whore. Scott
1: Gardner, male prostitute. <laughs> so that that's about it for the con. It, we didn't. Sp- we spent a few hours there. Uh, didn't do any diving. Looked at a lot of art. Mingled around. I actually knocked over one or two people cuz I couldn't take the crowds anymore. I just like had to bull boss <laughs> hog my... I'm like just ugh, people walking at like the the speed of slow, just doing the sh- the, the like in shuffle, shuffle shuffle, <laughs> shuffle, 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 shuffle. I just blue like knocked one kid over like, "Get out of the way."
3: That's right. I was that guy. So. That's all I got for the con. All right. Paul, did you have anything as far as uh new swag or anything like that?
0: Uh well, I went to Barnes and Noble on Saturday. Uh, Melissa clued me in that they were doing some sort of Marvel comics thing. And we really weren't sure what it was, but Barnes and Noble is eh, about 10 or 15 minutes from here. So we decided, you know, it was like seven o'clock and we said, yeah, we'll go down and we'll see what it is. And it was really mostly a a thing for younger children, but they Mm -hmm. gave away a couple of, uh, you know, freebie books. And then they had a trivia contest. They asked 25 questions and of, of varying, varying difficulty. You know, the, there were some that was like, you know, this green behemoth, when he loses his temper, helps the Avengers to win battles. But then, you know, there were others like, what does S.H.I.E.L.D. stand for? Or, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what, what the other ones, you know, who who's currently wielding the hammer of Thor? You know, questions that were a little bit more difficult. Nice. So we were sitting there and we decided I would fill in all the answers, but then Melissa would hand it in, <laughs> so that, <laughs> so that would you know see what the prize was, and uh you know it just just we were having fun. Like you know, as, as they were asking the questions, I was acting you know ridiculously overconfident and having fun with it. I am sure you're not the only geek dad that that would you know go to
3: something like that and and fill the thing out for their kid. You know.
0: Well, it turns out like prize—I don't even remember what it was. It was like a free soda or something. So we, we didn't even wait as they were like looking over to see who won. We—we we didn't even wait because at, at worst we tied to win. <laughs> a
3: free soda? Wow. It was it was some, something cheesy? Wow. Big spenders that Barnes and Noble. Yeah. I no wonder they're going out of business. Oh, wait.
0: Well, they're going out of business because people don't buy books anymore.
3: Right. People don't read. People can't no, I think they read. read.
0: They just don't read books.
3: Yeah, that's true. That is
1: true. Or they
0: don't read paper. Yeah?
1: yeah, where's a tablet going to be when you run out of power,
0: knucklehead? Uh, sorry. Sorry. Wow, right. mm. oh, somebody's angry.
3: Wow.
0: All right, you want to. Uh, you have anything to. I do. I do. Okay, I'm sorry. I was going to step right over you. You were. What are you, what? Madeline Kahn? It's Twoo. It's Twoo. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> What do you so got?
3: I got a box in the mail recently. and We got a box. And I didn't. While, while I knew that something was coming, I had what's no idea what it was. Yeah, here we go. This is the What's in the Box segment. So I'm going to save the best for last on this. We got to get the quote, Paul. You got to
1: pull the quote from uh, Seven now. Yeah. Brad Pitt's going, you, What's in the Box?
3: That's got to be a segment now. Uh, what's in the Box? You, give me the what's guy. in the <laughs> Box? This came with a nice little letter that says, Scott, I thought you might enjoy this relic of the fair. This is also the Disney clipping is from a 1950s National Geographic. In TTF tradition, I've also added some comics. And this is from Alan Leach Jr., who, as I speak, as we record this, he's actually down here right now with his family. But uh, I received this in the mail from uh, Alan in advance of them arriving for their vacation. I'm hoping at some point while they're here, we might be able to meet up. but just depends on schedules and that sort of thing cuz he is here on you know a family vacation and all so i'm does, always of of does, intruding on that sort of thing does hmm? the ps does the psa don't worry about the ticking <laughs> no it does not oh okay so when i got in here so i'll go in order you know he mentioned the fair what the relic of the fair was this is beautiful this is absolutely gorgeous and this may be my new favorite uh fair uh item that i have uh, what's
2: in the box
3: it is a really nice it's it's a silver tray of some kind i don't know if i don't think it's an ashtray, but it's not exactly like a serving tray either I, I don't know what it is it's just like a decorative tray and it's it's uh oval shape or ovoid o shaped and at the bottom of the tray it has this like sunburst pattern with the Unisphere right in the center of the pattern. And it just says New York on one side. On the other side, it says World's Fair. And then back over to the New York side, it says 1964. And on the World's Fair side on the right, it says 1965. So I, I just, I love this. It's gorgeous. It's so intricately uh, molded. And, and you know, the, the image is just beautiful. And I really like this. So I was very touched with that. I'd never seen this before. And uh, it's just a gorgeous piece. So I was really taken with that.
2: Uh, what's in the box?
3: He sent me. He called it a clipping, but really, what it is is it's uh, it's essentially it's a magazine in itself. He he basically took all of the pages of this article uh, on Disney. This is from a like he said a, a 1950s issue of National Geographic. This has got to be a good 20, 30 page article in here. Uh, that's taken right out of there and it's really neat it's I haven't had a chance to read it yet but I flipped through it and the pictures are just beautiful I'm really anxious to read this and see what it's all about it kind of looks like it's uh, it's just focused on Walt himself you know just you know kind of his his history of uh, you know making magic you know from the movies and the different innovations and inventions that he had right up through uh, the theme parks and everything so this looks really neat and Uh, what's in the box so what's in the box we got some comics here and this is really cool i actually have an issue of or two of this series already and it's not one of those things where i ever intend to like collect the whole thing but every time one falls in my lap i'm always like this is really neat so what i have here is two issues of the lone ranger's famous horse Hi-O silver And what's really strange, these are both Dell comics. Uh, These are both 10 centers. What I was noticing is on the inside in the indicia, I am so confused because the first issue here says Lone Ranger's famous horse, Hio Silver, number 392. And the copyright date is 1952. Really cool painted cover. Both of these have gorgeous painted covers on them. Painted cover of Silver facing down a bobcat, which is pretty neat. And then you get to this other issue. Again, another beautiful painted picture. And this one is Silver in the midst of a raging whitewater river rescuing a baby bear cub. And I really like that. That one's even cooler than the other one. This issue is in really, really nice shape. It's hard to believe it is as old as it is because it looks like uh, something that, you know, you could have gotten off the stands just a few years ago. This one is the Lone Ranger's famous horse, O Silver, number 13. From 1955, so I mean, did they renumber the series? You know, a year before this, I, how does that numbering work? You go from 392 in '52 to number 13 in 1955. I I've long since given up trying to figure out Nel, uh, Dell's numbering system. I really don't know how this works, but uh, the uh, the 392 little beaten up, but this uh, this issue here, this number 13. Oh, it's it's really nice. The pages are really nice, crisp color on it. The pages are kind of an off-white, so, I mean, they're not perfectly white, but you'd never know that this book is, what, 65, 61 years ago. You'd never know this was a 61-year-old book. It really looks like, uh, I mean, this this is in better shape than some books that I have from, like, the 80s and 90s. It's in really, really remarkable shape. So I wanted to say thank you to Alan for this, because this is really cool. I love stuff like this. I'm a big Lone Ranger fan, so I, th- I thought this was really neat. And lastly oh, what's in the
2: box?
3: This is a book I do already have in my collection, so I'm gonna to have to find someone that uh, that I, I deem worthy to pass it on to. I probably more than likely end up passing it on to, to Logan because I think he'd really enjoy it. But uh, We're, we're see. not
2: worthy. We're not <laughs> worthy. I'm
3: I'm thinking Logan doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I'm sitting here this is limited collector's edition c39 this is one of those big oversized uh, dc books from back in the day secret origins of super villains and this is that Mm -hmm. classic one i'm pretty sure this is neil adams almost positive this is neil adams where the heroes are on the left side you've got super you know receding into the background you've got superman batman flash they call him Shazam on the cover because they can't call him Captain Marvel, but it's Captain Marvel. Green Lantern and Wonder Woman. And then on the right hand side, matched up with their matching hero, you have the villains. You've got Lex Luthor, the Joker, Captain Cole, Dr. Savannah, Sinestro, and the Cheetah. And uh, I the love cheetah. this. I have this, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I need to double check just to be sure, because at some point, some of my oversized books did go missing on some move, because I, there's a Christmas one I know I used to have that I no longer can find, so I want to double check and make sure that I do still have this, but I know I had it when I was a kid, so if I do have this, as I say, I'll likely uh, to pass it on to someone else so that they can enjoy it as well, but it's really, I mean, great stuff. You've got you know the origin of the joker story the man behind the red hood you've got the superboy story that uh, tells uh, how luther met superboy the story of uh, you know how luther lost his hair and went from being superboy's best friend to being his worst enemy and you know, just all these different stories but it's, I love these old treasury sized books you know with the the big overblown art and I everything mean, it's just fantastic i really like this and i haven't laid eyes on this particular book in a long time so it's just nice to see it again.
0: So yeah, it really those are, gets, uh, those really are great and it's really cool of Alan to send them to you.
3: Yeah. Oh, you know what? I had totally forgotten the last story in here. Oh, this is cool. I'd completely forgot about this. The very last story is the reprinting of the Origin of Terra Man, the Origin of Terra Man if you've if you've never seen it or if you've forgotten is actually illustrated by Dick Dillon and Neil Adams. So in that oversized format, again, just beautiful, really nice stuff. So yeah, this is really cool. But again, I wanted to say thanks to Alan because uh, I really appreciate that. Love the the Silver Comics. Really looking forward to the article on Disney. But uh, this uh, this World's Fair tray is just that that was that blew me away because that was the first thing I pulled out of the box. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. So again, thank you so much. I really really appreciate it. And that answers the question.
2: Uh, what's in the box?
3: <laughs> oh,
1: I remembered the other Pinto print I had. Uh, I gave it to a friend at work as, as a
0: gift. It was of uh, The Walking Dead. It was the,
1: nice. the main characters from The Walking Dead. So
0: I, I surprised main him main characters that. in the comic book style or the main characters from the TV show?
1: From the TV show.
0: You had Rick holding the gun in a not natural
1: way like he does <laughs> <laughs> when he's going to shoot somebody. With that awkward... Gun pointed down, grip where he's staring at you, and it had uh, uh, Norman Reedus and Michonne in the center with the katana, and then Carl on it as well, uh, and a bunch of zombies milling around at the bottom. I think that was it. I think I don't remember if
3: Glenn was in it or not. You know, it's funny. As much as I, you know, I'd love to see uh, Mike Golden again or Bob Layton or meet Bernie Wrightson for the first time or whatever. Honestly, my biggest regret of missing the con being, you know, besides just being able to hang out with you, Bill, is uh, not being able to, uh, to go to Pinto's booth. I was really looking forward to mm. that because I can't remember for the life of me what it was. But I follow him on Facebook. He has his own personal Facebook account. And then he also has another one um, for I think it's called Art of Pinto. I think it's called uh,
0: mm. for his
3: artwork. And there was some project he started not long after the last con that we went to. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember seeing it and going, damn, when I see him again, I'm getting a copy of that. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it was because I was going to ask you to keep an eye out for it and maybe pick it up for me. But I just don't remember. But, you know, that's the thing with him is that, you know, he's he's fully entrenched in, you know, doing art for geek world. So it's not just. You know, DC, it's not just Marvel. It's a little bit of everything. Because when we came away from there last year, I mean, what did we have? Like, you got, what, Star Wars and The Flash. I got The Flash. I got a Supernatural one for my daughter. Supernatural.
1: Um, And,
3: and, you know, mine ran the gamut, too. I mean, I got The Rocketeer. I got The Six Million Dollar Man. I got the old Shazam TV show. So it's all over the place in Geek World. He had a Wonder uh, Woman one. From the TV show? Yep, Linda that
1: Carter, been, yeah, and it had Lyle Wagner imagine. on it, and it had her, like, in her Navy outfit. Ah,
3: I can only imagine. That would probably be gorgeous. But yeah, his his art's fantastic. And I know he had uh, pieces there last year that I wanted. It was just a matter of, you know, what, what could I afford kind of thing. So I picked the four that I really wanted the most, but I know that he had many more prints there, even just last year, that I wanted beyond the four that I got. And then, as I say, I've seen him do more uh, you know, in the year since last time we were there. that Yeah, because right after the interested show, me I, think, as well. I think
1: the first one he put out after that show last year was Spider-Gwen with uh, right. Gwen Stacy now as Spider-Man or whatever, or Spider-Person. You know, it,
3: it may have been an in Indiana. Now that I think about it, I think it might have There's been There's an Indiana, Indiana Jones one that looks like a Saturday Evening Post. Yeah, I think that might have been it. I think it might have been Indiana Jones, yeah. But, uh, yeah, guy's just got phenomenal chops. So, yeah, I, I look forward to when, when we're able to have him on the show. I think that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be one Ask Us an episode right there. <laughs> but that's all I got. That's all? That's it.
0: I think there was plenty. All right. Well, that's one way to kill an hour. <laughs> <laughs> all right, why don't we cover some books?
3: Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> go ahead, Bill. You go first. I did the book report. He's on the off con. the hook. He was <laughs> on the get road. Till, he was it representing.
1: 9:15. It was right.
0: locusts. I'll, I'll do the first book then. <laughs> and I have Green Lantern number 91, co-starring Green Arrow. Never heard of him. November 1976, cover price is $0.30. Cents. The cover, which is by the one, the only, Ernie Chan, <gasps> shows... Wow. The Hal Jordan Green Lantern in space with his uniform tattered, battling Sinestro, who looks no worse for wear. Green Arrow is laying on the floor helplessly like a damsel in distress in handcuffs.
1: Ernie Chan have idea for cover. We're going to have Green Lantern and Green Arrow in a submissive relationship and Sinestro butt in.
0: (laughs) I don't want to hear about Sinestro's butt. It's red like his face. The story is titled Revenge of the Renegade, written by Denny O'Neill and art by Mike Grell.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The splash page has the lantern on a yellow scale construct of Sinestro's.
1: why it have to on... be
0: yellow? Hmm? why it have to be yellow? <laughs> well, Ernie Chan didn't draw this. Okay. <laughs> hanging onto a dangling you green You shut arrow up, Dr. Bill. Who's over a pit of lobster bisque. Hmm. <laughs> The story opens with Green Lantern returning from patrol complaining about being bored when something catches his eye behind some asteroids, which turns out to be Sinestro. They debate the nature of their relationship as they spar with their ring constructs. Meanwhile, on the planet Oa, the Guardians are monitoring the battle in a crystal ball, while they pontificate over the fact that they're pretending to be the Watchers from the Marvel Universe. (laughs) Lantern and Sinestro continue to battle when a different Green Lantern is revealed, having been attacked before Hal came along. It looks as if he suffered a skinned knee in the attack, and so Hal abandons his battling to take the other Lantern to safety. On Earth, Oliver Queen is working on a cocoon arrow, whatever the hell that is. Once he finishes, he checks his mail, which includes an invitation to participate in an archery contest along with a first-class plane ticket. Of course, this doesn't seem suspicious at all, and he takes off. Cut to some intergalactic hospital where Hal is talking to the dude that he rescued, who tells him that Sinestro kept talking about setting a trap for Hal. So it's time to say the oath and change the ring, or charge the ring, excuse me, and head for Earth. Meanwhile, Green Arrow finds himself in a third world country full of beggars. He punches out a dude that just kicked a beggar woman, and he's then escorted to a room where he's to remain until the next day when the contest is to be held. As he sits in the room, the scantily clad woman that escorted him to the room warns him that he's in danger. Duh and that the ruler is an imposter, a monster from beyond the stars. She tries to slip in a key key under Ali's door, but he doesn't want it. Hmm, who could that ruler be? The following morning, he meets his opponent, Abraxas, and they march together to the Sultan's throne room. Sultan is on a throne surrounded by curtains, so he can't see him. They're told that they're competing for 190 pounds of silver and the hands of the escort lady, the Hua. (laughs) so ali shoots a bullseye as does abraxas and after just one arrow they decide they're too evenly matched so they're going to shoot two arrows each simultaneously and ali wins but you really don't see why they don't show you how he beat him or whatever he just wins so as they discuss it someone clocks ali and knocks him out meanwhile hal is finishing his journey but he's exhausted and says he'll need 48 hours of rest before he'll be fit to chase down sinestro cut back to Ali handcuffed and on one side of the giant scale we saw on the splash page, the other side is loaded with bars of silver which are slowly being removed causing the scale to tip and drop Ali into the vat of lobster bisque. And so the mysterious sultan is revealed to be, wait for it, can you guess, Sinestro. Hmm. <sighs> and he's ready to kill the green arrow in order to cause Hal to feel guilt. But the chick from the throne room brings Ali his bow and he shoots an arrow into the ceiling as the last bar of silver is being removed from the scale. Ali grabs the line and pulls himself out of danger as Abraxis shoots an arrow at Sinestro's order, but Hal appears out of nowhere, stops the arrow, starts battling Sinestro, and, but Hal is still exhausted and Sinestro has the upper hand, but Ali dives at Sinestro and knocks him out. End of story. Goodbye. That's it. I, sh- I shot an arrow into the air where
1: it landed not wear.
0: yeah that too mm. so i like the art in this book <laughs> i thought mike grill did a nice job of drawing it uh, i don't think Danny o'neill actually wrote anything of particular strength here uh the cover by ernie chan is kind of run of the mill nothing special i like the interior art the story is kind of stupid when you really think about it the trap for ollie it's it's like it's like Danny O'Neill was trying to relive his days of, uh, you know, Ali being the ultra-liberal, worried about everybody. So he's got to set something up where he's going to a third-world country full of beggars. But he's really just kind of paying lip service to the whole thing. The story doesn't have any resonance at all. It's stupid that Ali would fall for this, that he would fly over there to compete into this, in this contest without, like, doing anything to look into who was inviting them or what it was all about. There's really just... It's just kinda of bad. Anyway, what'd you guys think?
3: I'm confused how we how we went from Sinestro battling Green Lantern in space to suddenly Sinestro is the man behind the curtain on Earth in this third world country battling Green Arrow. How that, that lost me completely. I'm like, wait, what?
1: Pay no attention so, to the man behind the curtain.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I
1: want to know is why is Quasimodo in the right. taking silver yeah.
0: <laughs> like, yeah what's the whole purpose of that
1: well i mean because the guy can't work so he's because he tells him basically uh because the people are starving so he tells the people that are starving yeah you can come in and take one bar of silver away and the guy feels bad he's like i'm sorry my family withers away from my hunger i too regret this my back is bent i cannot work it's like okay. I think that guy's just got a pillow stuffed under his back, and he wants a bar of silver.
0: That is really some hump.
1: That's a big hump. It's like Why a camel.
0: You? That's what S- she said.
1: Speaking of humps, the 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 lady looks uh, very nice. But <laughs> but I suspect maybe she's got a voice like zero to hut.
3: Green Lantern. <laughs> Hello there. I do like the art though the art is very good there's a couple of wonky perspective shots but overall this this is just gorgeous. I gotta say though that, that uh that ver- next to the last panel on the very last page where green arrow is diving and yeah, so snapped... that would have snapped his spine right there look at that oh yeah look well, at I mean Hal Jordan bent. does what he snaps his neck years later. I
1: mean I should have snapped his neck right there. I he just gets snapped
0: better. his spine by, like, around the sternum area. Yeah. That was nice. His body's making an L in an unnatural way. Yeah, it is. It is,
3: it is a 45-degree angle right there. Yeah,
0: he's an alien. Or is 45? That, a,
3: that would be a 90-degree angle. You degree need to go back angle.
1: to geometry. That's a 90, uh, buddy.
3: Hey, it's late. Shut up. 90-degree <laughs> angle, yes. That's what I meant to say. But yeah, it it's no so angle. <laughs>
0: that's a right angle, baby. It ain't a I don't know if there was anything leading up to this at all. I don't think so based on the way the story is written but you know it's a one and done 70s book like I said it felt to me like Danny O'Neill was trying to still be preachy but just didn't didn't have his heart in it
3: is this where they
0: had kind of gone their separate
3: ways but the the writers and artists were still kind of jumping through hoops to
0: get them back together as often as they could well they, they were uh, Green Arrow was a regular guest Co-star in in Green Lantern's book at this point, okay, for for a number of issues. I I, I think that the book had stopped publishing for a while, and then it started up again. Right. It stopped not that long afterwards again. So, well, it stops.
3: I think it stops not long after this, and then it picks back up with like what was it, like two hundred or something like that, right? Or, or
0: am I? I don't remember I don't what know, number, might but I But I know it spring. stopped, yeah. and then it, when it picked up again, it was back to being a solo series. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I would
3: agree with you. I think this is memorable for the art, but yeah, the story just eh, didn't do much for me. And as
0: much as I do like Mike Grell's art, and I really do, uh, it's not going to carry the day the way Neil Adams' art did in the O'Neil De- O'Neill Neil Adams era. Right. So, you know, it, it's beautiful, but it's not as bombastic as what Neil Adams would do. Right. So, so to me, you know, it, it makes these books... Despite the fact that I really like the art, it makes these books pretty pretty forgettable. Right. So, and Which I don't know insane, where they were going with the, the Guardians at this point either. That that whole subplot really just kind of you know oh we can watch but we even though we know things we can't say them. Yeah, stop, <laughs> please.
3: Yeah. Any well, other time they're happy to come in and you know exert their everything. will over everybody.
1: Well, because they say oh uh, well, it's a pity that we can but witness the struggle between the Green Lantern of Earth and the outlaw Sinestro. But a hydrogen storm prevents our communicating with them. What? Really? That's what it says. Hydrogen storm. Hydrogen. These
3: are the all-powerful beings of the universe. And, and they're stopped uh, by the most hydros-
1: abundant <laughs> element in the universe.
0: <laughs> Good
1: job, guys. Figured you would have found a way to get around that whole hydrogen problem. Yep. Morons.
0: Surrounded by morons. This other this other Green Lantern that Sinestro uh, attacked. Yeah. He's yellow. How can he be a Green Lantern if he's yellow? What's not, not? must not put, a, put up much of a fight. It's, I got a skinny. Stop. Ah,
1: he tore my costume. I, I'm
0: not fighting anymore. I give up. I'm just going to lay on the asteroid.
3: I'm Bernie. Bernie Lantern.
0: I'm just eh. thinking
3: that on uh, page, what page is this here? This is page. Damn it. Is it not numbered? Even back in these days, I thought they numbered all the pages. Do they not?
0: Nope. Nope.
3: Ah, uh, it's not numbered. All right. So in the digital form that we are looking at is page eight, first panel. This is where, uh, the other the yellow green lantern he's been stripped naked and he's on the diagnostic bed with uh with the control panel going across his private area Strategically hal placed. yes yeah, st- strategically placed you got hal jordan sitting in a chair holding a conversation with him and i'm just thinking that hal jordan the entire time is going just make eye contact look at his eyes don't don't, don't dip, 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 just, oh, eye eye oh god and he's sitting down too in a chair, so that's yeah. Worse. I know he, he can see right up that thing. Yep, I like the space hospital. though. the space hospital is pretty cool. Again, even if I got it's all yellow
0: to take me there,
3: it is all yellow. It's could trillions the, of could miles the, away. Could the guardians not exert their influence over Space Sherman Williams to get them to not put yellow <laughs> into everything? It's ridiculous. Space
1: Sherman Williams. <laughs>
3: and uh green lantern's looking kind of elongated on the panel where he's giving his uh his oath
0: so so like overly dramatic there too
3: yeah i love it i love it That looks like a like so a, you got to like say the oath like every time right yeah do you yeah, think there's every, times when is he's it like every 24 hours or something like that i mean do you think there's times
1: he's like Yeah, brightest day in brightstone green lantern's like... yeah sure let's
0: just go so why so is there it he a shorthand needed 48 for hours to recover? He's mm-hmm. tired. That's just a story convenience there. He needed 48 he's, he's hours got, to recover. He's got space lag
1: instead of jet lag. How <laughs> many time zones he probably covered? Jeez. Who needs 48 he,
0: hours? He traveled to traveled trillions of mountains? miles. Yeah, when he gets to Earth, he says, I'm going to need 48 hours before I can uh, go after Sinestro. Ah. Uh, hmm. That seems a little bogus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, don't, I don't really have too many notes on this. I yeah picked it at random. and. Well, it's know. nice to
1: see that Corsair from, the,
0: from right. the X-Men books
1: had found some work in another uh, company. I didn't I even know he a the, was a talented
0: that, archer. Yeah, yeah apparently
1: when he's not ha- hanging out with Chode and uh, Hets, Hets, was, uh, the skunk girl, whatever her You're name is. Chod. Chode, isn't that what the guy's name is? Or is it Chod? That's Excuse your name. I believe it's Chod. Chod. And a I forget hel- what the cyborg
0: guy's name is. Choad. Uh, no, well, he's a the big lizard guy. There's Sikorsky. Oh, no, that's little, that's like the little bug thing. Starsky? A
1: Sikorsky there's Hutch. The helicopter. What would what did you sneeze, Paul? You alright? Did you have a stroke? What happened? I heard heads butchment. I said there's Hutch. Oh Hutch. With oh, Sikorsky and Hutch.
0: what what is that? Is it Gaza? I think with that's Garza? it. I think that's No, I think it's Gaza. Not ben Gaza. Gaza. Yeah. So it's
1: with Ben Gaza.
0: Showed. <laughs> Shows you how much we have to talk about this book. Yeah. yeah. There you go.
1: We're pulling the Star Jammers out.
0: Why don't we just rate it?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, well, we get a we get a C for the cover. Whoa, whoa, for,
0: whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Is this your Bert? book? Is this your book? Sorry, sorry, sorry.
2: Still just, doesn't just step
1: all books. over me, man. Hey, I got books. I got lots of books.
0: You know, you get to go first when you cover a book. So Who is we... this? You said this is Ernie Chan? The cover is Ernie Chan. Just Ernie Chan alone? As far as credited on the internet. Ernie hmm. Chan, do it all. Uh, the cover to me screams average. <laughs> yes. It's, it's neither good nor bad. It's Coloring average. book. What? Coloring book. <laughs> almost. So I'm gonna say it's it's almost by definition a C. Uh, the interior art, I think, is really nice. Mike Grell, it's not Spectacular micro, it's just really nice micro. So I'm gonna say a B, and the story just seems kind of dumb. So I'm gonna say a C minus on that. Overall, I'll give the book a C plus. Now, if you'd like to go, Bill, you could go. On
1: Chan, gonna give the cover for a C for Chan. Uh, yeah, the interior art is not fantastic, but it's better than the cover. So B, and the story is just. Meh D for me. Just kind of meh. Uh,
3: <laughs> for an overall grade of meh.
1: Yeah, overall grade of mm, meh. <laughs> meh.
3: That's my grade. Meh. All right. Cover, I'm gonna say C minus. I think it's slightly less than an average cover. Uh Green Lantern looks or excuse me, Green Arrow rather looks really wonky right there. And it really does. I, I think the coloring doesn't help at all, but it does. It really looks like like uh like coloring book art to me. Uh, I I mean I've seen some really nice coloring looks really books happy. but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's a little too I don't know, a little too super friends or something. It just uh, it just doesn't look very good to me. What I really noticed on this though is look at the logo for Green Lantern and the picture they're using there. Now that's a Gil Kane Green Lantern, but there's something wrong with the head. Has the head been replaced? Cause the head's tilted at kind of a weird angle, and he's got like just dopey dur face. What is up with that? It's it's just really it's almost like it has Power Ring's head instead of Green Lantern's head. It's it's really bizarre looking. I don't know. You see
0: what I'm talking about? Uh, looks to me like the line work on that is very very thick, and it's really hard to see detail for me. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. It just it just looks funny to me.
3: Uh, so, yeah, C-minus on the cover. Interior are, hey, I love me, love me some Mike Grell. Uh, so I'm always going to rate that very highly. Um, this is some really good Mike Grell, but it's still fairly early Mike Grell. So, I mean, he would refine his style. Some of the figures look a little stretched, a little elongated to me, which is, you know, some of the anatomy is a little bit wonky. But again, I think this was Mike Grell kind of refining his, uh, you know, honing his style and everything, but there are some really dynamic panels and I love the space stuff with Green Lantern, you know, flying through the storms and all that. So there are some really good panels in here as well. So overall in the art, um, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go a B minus, um, and that's not to be overly critical, because I, I really do enjoy it. But it's just I know Mike Grell, and I know you know his, his style does get better than this, uh, and he does you know greatly refine his style and everything. So you know he'll only improve from here. Story, I'm gonna go right smack middle of the road. I think this is pretty average fare for the time, especially for this particular uh, character, uh, you know Green Lantern. Uh, which is one of the reasons I was just never much of a Green Lantern fan as a kid, because they were all just kind of these, you know, one-off, easily forgettable stories, uh, at least to my
0: experience. So
3: overall great on this, uh, I'm going to say middle of the road. It's a C. It's a C book at best.
0: That's Green Lantern and Green Arrow. What else have we got to look at?
3: All right. So this is how much attention I was paying to what we were bringing to the table tonight. So... I got home, we were a bit under a bit of a time crunch to just get something, uh, you know, get something recorded tonight, but also for me to just get something read because I have had a very, very, very busy week. So I got home. And I'm desperately scrambling for, God, I just need to grab a book and I need to grab something that's not going to be one of these meaty, you know, Roy Thomas, you know, it takes me three and a half hours to read it. I just needed something I could read in like 20 minutes and synopsize. So I'm digging around, digging around, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to just mess with the listeners a little bit and bring something that they'd never expect me to bring, you know, like a character I just don't really care about or something I'll like smile. that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm digging through boxes and all of a sudden I came across this and I thought, hmm, let me thumb through this. And I pulled it out and I thumbed through it. And I'm thinking, mm, not too many word balloons in this. This doesn't look like it'll be a very long read. And won't the, won't the readers get a kick out of the fact of those that know me know I don't care for this character. So what the hell? Let's just play with it a little bit. So I dug this out, read it, synopsized it, everything else. And then when we sat down to record, I suddenly realized, oh, Jesus Christ, I picked a book with the same characters. So what I have here is Green Arrow. Volume 2, number 39. So I thought I was being so clever. Uh, This book is actually, you know, you have Mike Grell doing the R on Paul's book. Well, Mike Grell was the writer on my book. So, um, yeah, we've got two very similar books this time around, sort of. So give me just a moment to pull up uh, my pre-written synopsis. How do you like that? I'm being all professional this episode. So... Green Arrow, number uh, excuse me, Volume Two, Number Thirty Nine. This is the late November, nineteen ninety, cover dated issue. It was actually on the stands, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, October second, nineteen ninety. Original cover price was a buck twenty five. It sports a sepia toned cover by Mike Grell that, you know, while it is a very nice piece of art. Frankly, it kind of pisses me off because it shows Green Arrow in his uh, hooded Robin Hood inspired costume of the era tearing the American flag into. And that ain't cool. That just kind of yeah, that just rubs me the wrong way. The cover uh, does have some, uh, you know, just as a word essentially, not much exposition at all beyond uh, the name of the, you know, the name of the book and uh, who worked on the book. It just says "expatriate," but that isn't really the name of the story because inside the story is entitled "Sunday on the Tarmac with George." Again, it's written by Mike Grell with art by Dennis Cohen and or Cowan and Shea anton penza which was a name that kind of tickled my brain but i couldn't remember where i had seen it before so i looked it up i'll talk about that a little bit later in the notes section so a plane that i presume is supposed to be air force one although it's never identified as such sits waiting for oliver queen dressed in civvies and looking more like dum-dum dugan than any green lantern i've ever seen before Uh, Once on board, Queen is addressed by a man that I guess is supposed to be President Bush, the first President Bush, but doesn't really look a damn thing like him, nor is he ever identified as such. If it weren't for the title of this story, Sunday on the Tarmac with George, I don't think that I'd even speculated that this was supposed to be President Bush, and I would have just assumed that it was your stereotypical fictional universe presidential stand-in but because of the title i'm going to suppose that this is supposed to be george bush anyway the president offers queen a deal that is never made clear about something to do with the panama canal that is never made clear all i could gather was that queen had done something i i, I don't know what to i don't know destabilize the area of the panama canal or something all we get is, they, uh, is a panel that says, they set me up from Oliver Queen. He's all upset about whatever this situation is. The president goes on to give a crash course on the history and strategic importance to the United States of the Panama Canal. He then says something that just pisses Queen Raid off. And we get this really nice shot of an absolutely maniacal looking Ali looming large uh, over the commander in chief with his uh, clenched fists and everything. And he looks for all the world like he's going to actually strike him, which is pretty cool. And he says, they hunted me like an animal. And then he goes on to bellyache about what a patriot and believer he had been in the Stars and Stripes, only to then ultimately throw the Stars and Stripes in the president's face and tell him, literally in the book, to kiss my ass. And then he leaves. Later, there's a news report on TV that sheds no light at all on what the hell this is all about but it appears to further enrage Queen as we see him hurl his television set against the wall. Uh, He calls around, trying to get the media to do something for him, but they won't. Later, at Sherwood Florist, the flower business that he runs with Black Canary, he pouts as some blonde comes around looking for a job, and uh, he convinces Canary to hire her. That night, Canary wakes to find him standing, staring out the window of their bedroom. She asks him if he's leaving, and he says yes, and soon. She has, asks him where he will go, but he doesn't have an answer. Canary asks to be held, and so he holds her. And on the last page, a really nice full splash page, we see Oliver Queen thumbing a ride in the pouring rain. And that's about all I got on this. I actually have much more in notes than I had as far as a synopsis on this. Now, I make no bones about the fact that I don't particularly care for Green Lantern. Arrow. This issue, or excuse me, Green Arrow. I keep saying that, sorry. Green Arrow. Um, this issue didn't do much to change that opinion. Here's my problem. I had two big problems with this issue. My biggest problem, the, the overall problem I have is clue me in, damn it. You know, I, I understand that they were probably telling a, a, a continuing story here. Obviously, they were telling a continuing story. But here's the thing. I have become more and more over the years a, a stronger and stronger subscriber to the Stan Lee theory that every issue is somebody's first. In this particular instance, literally so. This is my first issue, at least first one I can remember at a long time uh, reading of this particular series of Green Arrow. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Now, I'm not expecting a full recap for every single issue. That That's kind of gone you know, by the wayside, they no longer do that. Even in comics of this particular time, they had kind of stopped recapping the last issue. And I, I I understand that, but would it kill you to throw me a bone somehow and clue me in on what's happening? Just a little bit of exposition or, you know, this was one of those um, I don't know if prestige format was necessarily the right thing, but this was one of those suggested for mature readers I had thought around this time that some of the DC books had adopted the, um, you know, last month in such and such title type of thing. Am I wrong in that? Didn't some of the books do that? They, they kind of gave you a recap of like the story so far type of thing. I don't know. I, I could Marvel be wrong. Was,
1: Marvel was doing it on the
0: inside cover. Right. Well, that's that's later than this, though.
3: Yeah. yeah. Is it? But yeah, I, this is
0: 1990. I, this is 26 years ago.
3: Right, but I, I had... All, all had hasn't oh, been doing
0: it that long, but but DC has always seemed a little resistant to that for some reason. Yeah,
3: but I had thought... I I could be remembering it wrong, but I had thought that some of these other you know, suggested for mature readers type books had had adopted that, uh, you know, a, l- a little sidebar like on the inside front cover or something that was a sort of stories, you know, the story so far and, and maybe like a sentence or two, just kind of enough to to let you know what the hell's going on in case you missed a couple issues or this was your first issue. So I'm going to grade the book that way. I'm going to grade the book based on my experience which was literally picking it up first issue for all intents and purposes and and just being completely lost my other complaint and this one really goes to the heart of my feelings about green arrow in my opinion and this is strictly my opinion feel free to disagree disagree. but in my opinion green arrow is a one note character his Definition is liberal, and I'm even going to quantify that with liberal asshole. And this plays right to that to an annoying degree. You know, if I'm going to give other properties, like say, you know, for example, and and not to start a whole thing uh, bashing on this anew, but say with uh, with the Phantom Menace. If I'm going to be down on that movie the way that I sometimes am because of the boring politics angle, then I can't give things like this a pass either. Politics. Snore. You know, <laughs> you know. If I, I can't stand that shit, especially liberalism in real life, so why in the hell would I tolerate it with my escapist fiction? I, I don't want to read about stuff like that, and this just annoys me because in this... It's playing right to that stereotype of Green Lantern, liberal asshole agitator. And if this really is, well, you know what, even if it's not really supposed to be George Bush, it's just even if it was just say made up fictional universe president, he's being a disrespectful ass in this right to the president's face. Now, even with my personal feelings and opinions of the current holder of that particular position, if I was to meet the man in real life right now, as much as I feel the way I personally feel about him, I would still respect the office. And so this behavior by Green Arrow, you know, a a member of the Justice League, to act the way he acts, even in a closed door meeting is just, I don't know. It just sets me off wrong. It it just seems, it just seems wrong, flat wrong. Um, On some positive notes, though, because I don't want to be completely down on the issue, one thing that really surprised me, and I wish I had made a page note as to where it was, I was shocked for a 1990 book. Now, I know that it is uh, labeled here as suggested for mature readers, but I was really shocked to see the word bullshit that really—oh, here it is. It's on page 10, first panel. Uh, Ollie says, uh, but you know, all of the bullshit I had to go through and I was like, wow, they could say bullshit in DC Comics in 1990. I had no idea. So I thought that was kind of neat because I read other suggested for mature audiences titles, uh, notably like Swamp Thing and The Question back during this time. Uh, I was a faithful reader of both of those titles and I don't remember either one of them having language like that. So I, I thought that was actually kind of cool. On the subject of the question, um, I actually do like the art quite a bit. By all rights, I really shouldn't like this particular art style. It's that kind of roughly defined scratchy art style that I'm usually bitching about. But I don't know why it is. I actually have something of a soft spot for Cowan. And I think it's because uh, I was a faithful reader of the question. And uh, I also liked his work on Dr. Zero, which was kind of a little known um, Marvel. It was one of those offshoot Marvel imprints. now I can't was it Epic Comics? Maybe I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, either of you guys ever read Dr. Zero? I have a Dr. Zero
1: issue, yeah. but I can't remember the imprint. Yeah, uh, it, was, it might have been Epic.
3: But it was interesting. I like that series a lot. This art is
1: a little reminiscent of what Frank Miller does
0: nowadays. That's what I was thinking.
3: Yeah, it is is very. uh, You know what? It actually reminds me of not so much Miller, but like right after Miller left Daredevil the first time and Jansen was doing the ink solo or excuse me, the art solo and trying to still make it look as if he was inking Frank, even though Frank was gone. It kind of reminds me of that, too. Now, the other guy, uh, Penza, as I say, that name just kind of kind of rang a bell with me, but I couldn't remember where I knew it from. So I looked him up on Mike's Amazing World. He actually didn't do much in the world of comics. His, uh, his credits, at least on Mike's page anyway, are very short. There's maybe a total of 30 projects here. But I think the reason that he jumped out to me is that he was, do you guys remember a very short lived DC character from the nineties called the butcher? No, he was, he was an Indian character, you know, native American character that there was a brief, um, controversy about this character because he, he was native American and called the butcher and he actually killed people. You know, he like would, I think he tomahawked them if I remember right. Um, he, he didn't, he didn't last very long, but I really liked the character and, and I have all of his appearances because they, it was, it's easy to have them all. Cause he didn't have many. He had a five or six issue mini series. And then he popped up again in a three way crossover between himself, the question and green arrow, uh, in a series called brave and the bold. Strangely enough, it was a, it was a brave and the bold miniseries. And this guy uh, Penza actually worked on that as both pencil and penciler and inker between those two series, the Butcher and the the Brave and the Bold mini with the Butcher uh, and the other characters. And you know he did a couple other projects. He did Punisher. He did uh, some work on the Question and a couple more issues of Green Arrow. And then all of a sudden in uh, November of '93, he just kind of disappeared from comics. So I don't know what he went on to from there. Uh, But I like his, I like his art. Uh, I like his, uh, you know, his uh, pencils and his, you know, in this case, he's the inker. But uh, I like his stuff. I think he's uh, actually a a pretty good inker artist. Um, Let's see what other notes I have. I think that might actually be. No, I did have one other note on this. Um, Strangely, for all my criticisms of it. I was actually strangely intrigued. I'd like to know what the the story was, what was actually going on here, because I have a feeling that I probably would have dug this more. I probably would have dug it a lot if I had just known what the hell was going on. But by not cluing me in, it almost felt like they were speaking in code or something just because I didn't know what it was that everybody's so worked up about. But you know, I like Mike Grell. Uh, I respect Mike Grell. I think he's a fantastic artist. and I think he's generally a pretty okay writer as well. I like the art team in this. I don't particularly like the character, but the adult nature of it made it a little more interesting to me than I think the traditional, um, you know, trick arrow shooting costume wearing green arrow would be because in this he's in civvies for the whole thing, which somehow lent a, a certain cool edge to it somehow. I don't know. I couldn't explain why. So it is intriguing. Um, It's nothing I'm going to run right out and try to, you know, collect now. But I mean, if suddenly a a run of Mike Grell's Green Arrow were to fall in my lap, yeah, I'd, I'd probably read it. I'd probably check it out. I have no clue how this issue wound up in my collection. I can only assume it was just you know osmosis from some collection i bought some at some point or something and just didn't ever get rid of it i don't i don't know but i have no memory of ever buying this so there you go that's uh, my review for green arrow number 39 what do you guys
0: think of it i think you're a little more forgiving on this one than i would be than i am
3: oh okay i was afraid uh, i was being too harsh
0: not by my standards
3: uh,
1: I, I think you're a little more forgiving on the president than i would be too Oh wait! I'm sorry. Did I mention politics? I'll just back. <laughs> uh, Send I, I, all hate mail to me. Bring it, bitches. Well, go ahead, Bill. Go ahead.
0: But uh, art-wise, I think I think Bill, I think you hit it on the head that it was an attempt to uh, come up with a similar style to the to what Frank Miller was doing, and I I don't think it works. I don't like it. I, I really just think I think there's some some ca- panels where you could see. The quality penciling that if it was inked the right way, I would like, excuse me, I would like it, but I really don't see a lot that I like in here, at least as far as the final product goes. Can I I just butt in and
1: say what's bugging the shit out of me for this book?
2: Hmm.
1: Every time Green Arrow gets angry or mad, I think he's going to go to a Hulk transformation. (laughs) Or have a stroke. Or have a stroke with his eyes. Boom! it's like a cliche like he's turning to the camera and they're just hitting like a high note with, with like on a piano like Da <laughs>
0: well like, that's that's hey. the, the cliche aspect of it is the other point that i wanted to make but i wanted to make that more with the with the story writing as opposed to the art that i feel like you know what you mentioned about a uh, green arrow being a one note character i think that's when he's written poorly and I think that this issue kind of has that. He's written as a one-note character, as far as I could tell. I think either he, he works either when he's written with a little bit more depth than that, don't just have him as the liberal, or if you're using him just as a counterbalance to a character who's more conservative, like they did with Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Now, some of that was really heavy-handed, but it was more balanced, and it, didn't, it, it seemed to, to read better. And sometimes, you know, it, I don't think, I don't think Denny O'Neill, when he was writing it, I don't think his perspective was particularly conservative. I think he is liberal-minded, but I still think having a conservative and having a liberal in the book still read better and and read as a more thought-provoking thing. This doesn't really give me much of the thought thought-provoking. This gives me, you know, I'm angry at everybody because nobody's listening to the way I think things should be done, kind of thing, and that's all it is, you know. So. It it really kind of fell flat for me. I I didn't really like this book at all. Um, well, before anybody sends gets their little hate mail ready,
1: <laughs> I didn't like George Bush either. So because I think Scott and I were both serving in the military when he was around, he didn't impress me then either. So, um, and he was my actual commander in chief along with Clinton. Don't get me started. Um, but back to the book. I, I'm. It seems like there's. The yeah. coloring, there's just a lot of it reminds me of Vinnie Coletta coloring. There's just these broad <laughs> I mean bat I mean, like things have been taken away in the inks. There's just these broad swaths of color behind people on on the plane, especially with faux George Bush, with just the pink background, the yellow background, the blue bra yeah, it's like there's a lot of detail missing from this book. Like it's rushed. And then when you get off the plane, it like some of the detail picks up, but even then it just doesn't it looks it's this Miller esque artwork that just doesn't do it for me, and I don't know what the the what, what page is this fourteen, the 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 shot of Ollie saying wondering if, if if I'm a traitor. He looks like a bald Yosemite Sam or something in that picture. <laughs> I'm just you fur bearing critter, I'm just so throw. Why is he bald? Is he just getting old? I don't,
0: he's drawn just, very old here. I mean, you, he yeah, looks
1: old. Yeah, he, he looks like this is like, like he's like in his fifties. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: And that's old, man.
3: Oh, that that sorry, last, sorry. That Ryan. last like, panel there on page 15, he looks like Slade Wilson's father or something. He does look old. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing a lot. I like here. Like I said, and I, I like, I actually like a lot of what Frank Miller did in. It looks like Mr. Crane's dad. and you know as much as i joke around about you know 50s uh if you're a superhero 50s is over the hill (laughs) you know you hit physical prime around 30 so but if i'm not mistaken correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't that kind of
3: one of the subplots in um what the hell was the name of the green uh, green arrow Prestige format book, Longbow that Hunters. Kind of, yeah, Longbow Hunters. wasn't Wasn't that one of the subplots in that that he was kind of he was kind of doing the
0: Admiral getting Kirk thing? Getting too old for that. this shit. Wasn't,
3: yeah, getting too old for this shit. He was Danny Glover in it, wasn't he?
0: I think there was some of that in there. I think he was ready to hang him up and yeah, you know, he, you know what is it? Galloping around the cosmos is a game for the young.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's your birthday. Why are we treating like a that's a, a book funeral? I would not mind bringing to the show sometime and taking a taking a look back at.
0: Because, like I say, I may not care
3: for this character, but I liked that when I read it before. Well, that
0: that's one of the seminal works for that character. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind looking at that. That's that's we we've talked about like doing some special episodes where we really pick the you know focus on some
3: stuff. Yeah. yeah. Focus
0: on on like all time stories, you know that or born again for Daredevil, or so you know stuff that's considered to be classic stories. Well, I'd I wouldn't had mind doing either. that once in a while.
3: I know we kind of talked about this off air before, but I'll go ahead and kind of air it here a little bit. I had this idea before, and I think I ran this idea by you guys of kind of you know expanding back to the bins a, a little bit more, you know, within still keeping you know within comics and everything. Expanding but your I'd, consciousness. Do but I I'd get to smoke this... dope. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry, You do that on See your me. you do that on your own time, okay. <laughs> But I'd had this idea of kind of borrowing titles of, of you know, some of the, the trades and fanzines of back in the day as titles for different segments that we can do. And I'd always liked the idea of doing, do you guys remember Focus On? It was a series of fantographic books that focused on different artists. I kind of like that idea of doing like Focus On episodes where we, you know, focus in on a particular artist or, or writer or... Uh, in this case, uh, maybe like a prestige format presentation, you know, something like the Longbow Hunters series or something. I, I like that idea. I think that could be a lot
0: of fun. Yeah, I mean, we've done some of that, but never like as a formal offshoot of the show. Right. So yeah, 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 I'd be up fun. for that.
3: You know, much like we do, you know, Avengers Spotlight. But but doing this one is kind of, you know, a rotating thing of, you know, choosing whatever the focus would be from from episode to you know, from special to special kind of thing. I don't know. It was just one of those ideas I was toying with a while back. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, Let's see. Grays. Are we ready wait, to wait, grade
1: wait, it? Wait. I got a question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. See what
3: you guys think. Yeah, uh, think.
1: This character that's introduced, the blonde, uh, yeah. Marianne, that's, she comes to the florist. Now, if you notice the first page she's on, she has a lot of detail to her face. Right. Then when you go, as you move forward after that first page where she's introduced to Dinah, um, and it goes on further. She becomes less and less detailed in her hair and her face. Do you...
0: You're right. Yeah. No, and then no, no. By the, by the th- last th- page, think... she looks like a, she should be in Archie comics.
1: But I think I'm. But everybody else stays detailed. I'm wondering if that is a if that was done on purpose to show because he's with Dinah, who has black hair. But I'm wondering if they're doing that to show the blurring, it making her look like the black canary as a blonde and that ollie like dinah's look because look at the at page set 17 where marianne's looking back at ollie ollie's looking at her and dinah's looking at marianne like you bitch like
3: let like,
2: mm.
3: do you see what i'm like, saying give, like, like she's like giving you a visual cue that that he might start being ex- interested in her because exactly because you
0: know, he's because they've she's blurred, got the general look
3: because they've blurred the details
1: on purpose on her face or are they, so
0: that, or are they blurring the details because as the further you get from the beginning, from her introduction, the less important she is.
1: That, yeah. Or maybe he's seeing her as black canary, and that's why he's going to leave as well. Because I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was odd that she becomes. I, I think it was a conscious choice because everybody else still is in detail. Right. It's just, it just struck me as odd.
0: Yeah, so. I, I would agree with you that it is a conscious choice. That's a
3: choice. good. Yeah, that's a good catch. I didn't catch that, but yeah, you. Uh... You raise an interesting point there.
0: To where, where you get like the next
1: to last page, she's got almost no detail at all on her face. She's just a, you know, where where he says your mom was a smart lady, and and she's just almost like just a blob, especially in the final panel where we see her, and then the final panel where he looks back at her, she could almost be Black Canary with the way she's posed and what and and what right. she's wearing, and he has that looked to her, and then he just walks away and leaves. Right. He, he gives her the Hulk eye his transformation eye and then he just <laughs> and he becomes the lonely man
3: on the road hitchhiking yeah i'm wondering does this turn into some sort of uh some sort of you know captain america man without a country riff that they're going with here i wonder i just
0: kind of wonder where this whole thing goes it seems <sighs> like it, that may be where they're going with it but i, I didn't read beyond this so i don't know
3: all right, so we ready for grades? Grade it. Let's see cover.
0: Hmm,
1: who did the cover again? The same interior Mike artist? Mike
3: Grell, yeah, it's Mike Grell oh. on the cover. Oh uh, no, it's not the same interior artist. It's uh, oh yeah, This oh, Grell. Grell wrote it, but this is Grell um, having drawn the cover on this. Love me some Mike Grell. I you know, I'm gonna try to judge it just leaving alone what it's depicting with with him ripping the flag i really don't like that but just on its own as a piece of art um it is nice i i I love the way that it's drawn looking like an old sepia tone photo or something um but then closer examination on it it almost looks like maybe it was done with with uh Crayon or you know like colored pen, uh, pencils or something like that. i think thinking like a
0: charcoal pencil.
3: Yeah, it's very uh, very creatively done, and it can't be easy to draw in that style. So I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say a B plus on that. I think it's actually it, it's a dynamic. I mean, it catches your eye. It's dynamic. There wasn't really anything else on the stands at the same time that looked quite like this looks right here. So it, it is um, it's different. You know, it's eye catching. Uh, interior art, I I hear what you guys are saying and and maybe it's just nostalgia talking because I have a real, uh, fondness, uh, you know, and, and real fond feelings for the question series. I, I really enjoyed that book. So maybe that's what I'm seeing with the, uh, Cowan art, but I like his stuff. Really the only complaint I honestly have with the art is that, uh Oliver Queen's facial hair invariably looks like some sort of weird fungus growth or something it doesn't look like hair. It looks like a mushroom cloud. Yeah, lo- look on the very last panel. Yeah, it's
1: like it's like an explosion started at the bottom of his chin and went up to his <laughs> mustache.
3: Right. But it it just it doesn't it doesn't look like hair. It just looks weird. Um this is not my preferred style of art. This isn't like art that I could I could read on every you know different kind of book. But for what this is, you know the the kind of the, the DC um, you know edgy adults, you know I say adult in, in air quotes, um, you know kind of political thriller thing, this is almost what I would expect because that's very much what the question was. So judging it that way, I, I'm on the art, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say a B minus. Some of the anatomy is a little weird. Um, Bill is absolutely right. you know, the the lack of backgrounds. Um, it's weird to say this, but it it's distracting. You would think w- when there's no background stuff to distract you and you're just focusing on what the characters are doing that it would not distract. But it actually does distract because, it's just panel after panel after panel of talking heads with nothing in the background. And that just, you know, real life doesn't look like that. So it is is kind of
1: distracting. Is it more distracting because of the drastic color changes from panel to panel?
3: Yeah, that too. The coloring does not help on this book at all. It's, it's very, um, again, very coloring book in the way that it's colored and the, the brightness of the colors um, don't quite fit with the tone of the book. I, I feel like it, it sh- you know, things should be toned down more. It shouldn't have this brightness to it um, in all the different, you know, sections of the book. Really, the only part of the entire book that seems even kind of like semi-properly colored to me are the nighttime sequences at the very end of the book. And even those are kind of odd because you go from light to dark, light to dark, light to dark. It, you know, but the parts that are dark work. So it is, it's odd. I think the coloring really um, does not help overall. But the art itself, you know, the penciled and inked art, generally I like, um, you know, except for the, the criticisms I said, you know, that he does look a little old. His, his facial growth does look like some weird explosion or waterfall or it just looks bizarre. Um, but again, I'm going to stick by that. I'm going to say a, a B minus on the art. And the story, this is going to be my harshest grade because honestly, this might be a fantastic story, but it's not one you can just dive into. You can't just pick up this one issue and go and and read it and walk away enjoying it because you don't know what's going on. There's not enough to clue you in. And I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that they give you something. They either give you a catch up box saying this is the story so far or a little something in the dialogue to clue you in on what had happened. You know, all it would take is, you know, one panel of, you know, a a news report on TV or on the radio to kind of tell you, you know, accused, you know, so-and-so Oliver Queen, you know, this is what he's been accused of because of that, you know, and and that would catch you right up on what's going on, but you get none of that. You're thrown right into the middle of it. And not give, given enough to cipher out just exactly what was the whole deal here. What is everybody so worked up about? And that was frustrating. So that being the case, um, I don't know. Honestly, I'm very tempted to give it an F on the writing, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna say a D. It's a D on the writing, just because you can't follow it. And so overall grade, I don't know, what's that come out to? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, whew, I think I'm going to say a C minus. Okay. I wanted to like it more than I did.
0: Yeah, I could, I, I, I could agree with that too. Um, I agree with you that the cover stands out, and I think that was the attempt. The other thing about it that I think it succeeds in doing is without ever having like a mature thing on the cover, uh, you know, a, a, some sort of a mature reader tag or something. The way the cover is drawn, it kind of tells you this isn't a kid's book.
3: Oh, it does, though. Right above the DC logo. it oh, does. It's
0: it suggested for mature readers. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's in teeny tiny letters. Teeny, teeny tiny, yep. But I think, I think the image kind of tells you this isn't a kid's book. Right. So I, I, I give it credit for that. I give it credit for standing out. And while I can see if it was inked and colored a different way, that it's well-drawn, I just don't like it. I don't like the image. I don't like the the orange color. Uh, it, it's something that would catch my eye, and then I'd quickly move on because I wouldn't like what, what was catching my eye. So I'm going to say I want to give it points for doing what they're trying to do, but take away points for doing just drawing an image that I find to be uninteresting or, or dislikable or whatever you want to call it. So to balance that out, I'm gonna just say a C on the cover. It's neither good nor bad because it serves some purposes, but it doesn't serve others. The interior art, I'm sorry, Scott, I just don't like it. I I, I think you are being influenced by nostalgia on this, because this 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 almost this scratchy style almost is by definition what you generally hate. Uh, right. Maybe if it was inked differently, it might be cleaner. The backgrounds would still be lacking severely. Uh, Oliver seems to vary in size throughout the book, and he looks old. Although they might, int- I, I assume they intended him to look old. Uh, I, I keep coming back to what Bill said earlier because it was the same thing. I thought it looks like they're trying to capture what what uh what's his name Frank Miller did when he was at his best, and they're just failing on it. When, when Frank Miller was at his best, he was drawing in a style I didn't like, but he still drew in an incredibly compelling way that I ended up liking the book, despite the fact that it wasn't the style that I liked. This has the style I don't like, and it doesn't make me like the book, and it doesn't make me like the way it's drawn. So for me, the artwork, and this is purely subjective, but for me, it's a D. Uh, and the story, not only does it not tell you what went on before, it doesn't make me want to look in to see what happened before. And it really doesn't make me all that curious to see where it's going to go from here. So even as a standalone story, I don't feel it's that compelling. And I'm going to say a D on the story as well. And overall, I'm going to just give the book a D. Well, the cover, I uh,
1: I almost think the subject matter on the cover with Green Arrow tearing the flag up, I think if... He had more, he almost looks maniacal on his face. Like if he had more uh, reservation to the look instead of like a repressed glee with the way he looks, I think I could give it more of a uh, a higher grade. I mean, because I I see what he's doing and it is a beautiful image in the artistic standpoint, but the subject matter, um, I I have to just come to the conclusion of, of a C for the cover. The interior art, like we noted, like we've said before, uh, is trying to be, trying to be Miller, but it is failing. And uh, I don't know if you got in Scott. Look on page sixteen of the art, bottom panel. Is he giving uh, Dinah the stink eye or a squinky eye there?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. What I mean,
1: what is that? Come on. Yeah. Uh, it's just. It's just. It's. Uh, mm-hmm that coupled with the Yosemite Sam shot a few pages earlier <laughs> come on man I'm I'm just not not getting into the art and so I'm it's it's I mean but uh, other times I mean it is really detailed in some shots and beautiful and I think they will like I pointed out with the whole uh blonde that's gets in introduced I think that was a a, a sense of subtlety I don't know if that was it, that was you know If Mike Grell told him to do that or he took it upon himself or maybe I'm just making the whole thing up in my mind. I'd like to think it was it was thought out because there's no I don't see any other real reason to make that character look so nondescriptive as the story goes along. Um, So I'm going to come to a C minus on the art. The story, I mean, I kind of got the gist that he did something or that he was tricked into doing something that he thought was going to be honorable. And then he became the fall guy for it. I mean, I could kind of forgive that and that I don't know everything. It would have been nice to have had a a box that said, see these issues. But I think at this point we were getting this part uh, in most comics, we're getting away from the from the, you know, the editor's note box, basically telling you where to go look for stuff that that was kind of fading out at this point. So I think I'm going to give the story. I'm going to be a little bit more generous and give it a C minus as well. So for me, this is a C book.
0: Okay. Fair
1: enough. And read my lips. No trick arrows. Oh. All right, why don't we, as,
0: even though we're running a little long, but why don't we try and squeeze in a couple of emails? Yeah, we've got 11 emails. So let's, wow. let's at least get a few of them in. I'll start with the first one, which is from Kirk Greenfield. and I think, his he's, title I think to... he's
1: bucking for, uh, he's trying to take. He's,
0: he's trying to get Russell's title? Yeah, he's trying to take Russell's title. The most prolific emailer? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. They can battle it out. The book is titled Arkham Asylum Discussion. And he says, I'd really be interested in listening to that old episode when Scott gets schooled about Arkham Asylum, but I have no idea how to go about finding it. Can you provide a link or something, additional info on how to search for a topic or something? Thanks, Kirk G. I have no idea which episode he's talking about. Is that this, or is this maybe Comics Monthly Monday? Ah... Uh... I think at the time I was talking about it, I think
3: I might have said that it was a Back to the Bins. But now that I think about it, I think that was a Two True Freaks episode, possibly possibly a um, Comics Monthly Monday, but I don't recall. I'll have to see if maybe I can hunt it up. All right. Well, if
0: you could find it, Kirk wants to know where it is. Okay. That was so short, I'm going to read another one. Sure. Uh, next one is titled Back to the Bins, number 246, Ego Needs Love 2. And it is from Russell Bragg, Kirk's competitor in email writing. Hi, guys. Great show as always. I love those intern interview skits you do. They're hilarious. It struck me as funny, but no one else must have thought so. Scott was talking... Wait wait, a minute. What? What? Nobody else must have thought so. The whole idea is to make everybody think so. Scott was talking about the slab comic he got from someone, and he got to meet him. Scott said that he and his family were staying at his resort. Oh, that's what he found funny. Okay, I get it like it was his personal palace. I know he works there, and we do take ownership when it comes to our jobs. It just struck me as funny the way he said it. I don't know if they still do, but the TomTom GPS used to have voice effects for Mr. T and Darth Vader. Arnold would be a great one <laughs> if, you didn't, if you don't want to get to your final destination. <laughs> Ha-ha. December of 1988, I was a junior at Alderson Brudas College. I'm saying that terribly, I'm sure. Broadus, I guess it is. Uh, probably taking final exams and anticipating Christmas. Oh, yeah. Good old AL bro. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I never groan with any Dr. Bill synopsises. That Yay. makes one of us. Hey. Whether from a copied source or off the cuff, they're always fun. Behind his synopsis, you played He's Got the Whole World. Whenever I hear that song, I think of other lyrics that I made up as a kid. He's got peanut butter and jelly in his hands. He's got mm. cheese and macaroni in his hands. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to interrupt my my reading there for a second to say I'm, I'm glad that people notice like what songs I choose because I do usually try to come up with something that fits in some way, shape, or form. So I had to get the whole world in his hands for an Ego comic. I thought that was kind of amusing. Uh, but it's nice to know that at least some people are noticing it. It seems to me a while back you did another comic on Bins where it was same-name characters fighting each other. I'm too lazy to look it up, but maybe you know offhand. Scott, that was you and I. I think Bill wasn't in that episode. It was a Rich Buckler Create her own title. Yeah. The uh, um, Mighty Crusaders.
3: Oh, yes. Uh, the Shield. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. Yeah. Oh, my God. What? Oh. You know... <sighs> I don't know if you follow Rich Buckler um, on Facebook, but he is so damn proud of the Mighty Crusaders. Now, granted, I you know, I don't want to judge the entire thing, which I haven't read by that one issue, but
0: that one issue was rough as hell, man. Yeah, I know. Well, I guess he's proud of it because, you know, he wrote Android. Right. So, you know, that, that... The, you can't fault the
3: art. I mean, the art's gorgeous on that. But the the problem with the story is I just couldn't I couldn't make heads or tails of it. And I really when I first went into it and and I initially read it, I thought I walked away not understanding it because I wasn't familiar with the characters. But when we actually discussed, I mean, fully reviewed that that issue in whatever episode it was, what we looked at it. I think we all came to the conclusion that, no, no, it that's not the problem. The problem isn't lack of character identification it's that the story just doesn't make any goddamn sense it just jumps all over the place and there's it's like there's holes in it yeah it's like somebody had a script and and then took pieces out or something and now it no longer flows or you know what i mean it's yeah. like there, no it, i agree it wasn't a complete story it was it was missing something i, like I it's, almost like pages were missing or something
0: i love rich buckler the artist i think rich buckler the man is a gentleman Mm-hmm. rich buckler the writer i'm not thrilled with <laughs> right <laughs> although rich buckler the comic creator i'm back to being very fond of him again with Deathlok mm-hmm. and some other characters that he created right but uh you know like i said as a writer i think he could have used a strong editor maybe it would have been good then i don't know uh where would you guys put firestorm and he-man as the next big thing characters you mentioned wolverine firestorm has a spotty history since his creation but he was very unique when he debuted in 1978. As for He-Man, I only know this from a recent spotlight I did on the character for the DC Comic Presents show, shameless plug. He's unique as well, although in the beginning he was thought to be a possible Conan the Barbarian ripoff. Those are the characters that came to mind. I think Firestorm is a pretty good quality uh, character, although he's never really been able to go for, you know, keep his own series go. You know, I mean, I guess he's had some long runs on it, but... It, it, his 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 history as a solo title is spotty. Put it that way. He Man is something I never really got into, so I can't even comment on that.
3: Right. He Man, you know, you could make a decent argument for He Man only in the sense that he's one of those characters that you know is recognizable outside of comics, and I, I think that's I think that would have to be one of the criteria for you know the next big thing character is that. You know, can can more than five out of 10 men on the street interviewers, you know, uh, interviewees tell you who this character is? If they can, then you might be looking at a next big thing character. And, uh, you know, these days, I think Wolverine easily falls into that category. I think Venom might possibly fall into that category. He-Man probably falls into that category. Firestorm. I don't know maybe because of uh Bug you know his TV, TV thing show. now, but yeah. still would people identify comic book firestorm and TV firestorm as being the same character? I don't know because from what I've seen it looks like you know they're they're straying quite far from the comic book version in
0: the TV version so I' I'm, I don't well, know, but that's just really. that's
1: not not I, the, really yeah it's, the, it's
0: very similar to the comic character yeah
1: okay
0: e- even down right. to
1: i mean some of the the transformations and uh um you know are straight out of stuff that was in the comic with you know the way they join the arms and then morph right but i no, i
0: mean the look of him though i mean does he it's, look well in, like in a real life you know real life real live action series i think it's f- as close as you're going to get yeah, he's
1: got he's got a harness on him that allows him to do the tra- the tra- transformation that looks like like the sunspot things on his uniform. Right, they're basically in the same spot. He's got the flaming hair. He's got the white eyes. You don't get the floating heads when they're that's, that's uh, talking. For, uh,
2: yeah, for,
1: right. You know, uh, it's it's just that you hear the other you hear Professor Stein's voice talking to um, the other guy. Uh, what is the what is it?
0: Jacks Jackson. Well, Jackson is the character on the show and, and was in the comics, but Ronnie Raymond was the right because Ronnie the Raymond project. supposedly died. But now right. He-Man, just to go back to that, He-Man really was more for the co- for the cartoon than for the comic book. Anyway, right, the comic book was more of a companion to the cartoon than the and other way around.
1: He-Man is only I would only really be noticeable for a certain age bracket. I don't
0: think outside of that age bracket, I don't think he'd be as popular a character. And Firestorm right. was in, introduced in the 1970s, so it's not like he's a new breakout character here. Right. Yeah, debuted in 1978, according to this. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. You know, next big thing, you know, we're talking over, th- well over, the, we're talking close to 40 years ago. Anyway, getting back to co- Scott's comic slab, I personally would keep it in the slab. Justice League of America number 14 has been reprinted many times. Justice League of America 67, Justice League of America Archives Volume 2 Hardcover, Showcase Presents Justice League of America Volume 1 Trade Paperback, and Justice League of America Omnibus Volume 1. Plus, I'm sure you can find it digitally. I'm sure you will do what you want, but that's my two cents worth. As for the Silver Surfer and Luke Cage, I know a bit more about Silver Surfer, and that ain't much. And that's only from watching the second Fantastic Four. <laughs> I believe there was an animated show years ago, but I never but I never watched. Luke Cage, I am a blank slate, as it is with a lot of Marvel Comics characters. But I enjoyed both books. You made those characters come to life for me, as you usually do. Guess I will close for now. Next time I will try to think of some comic or show ideas for you. Once again, thank you for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comic Presents show. Yes. The one thing I'll tell you about Silver Surfer is he did not have a TV set in his belly button. <laughs> oh, P.S. Any plans for another episode of Avengers Spotlight soon? Love that show too. Yeah, we keep talking about doing the next Avengers Spotlight. We have a few things uh, lined up to cover in it, but you know, so far just timing, scheduling, and things have gotten in the way, and we just haven't really up, to do it. Pushing it back and pushing but it we back. We will be getting back to it. You know, we we had a, a solid run of of uh, avengers spotlights when we were about at episode 200 on bins because we kept holding off on numbering episodes and kept going back to spotlight to to keep from having to get to 200 we were stalling yeah we were stalling but you know we'll Well, stall again eventually it'll happen
1: 250's coming up right
0: uh two by the time people hear this 250 will be in the rearview mirror Mm. 250 was the question and answer episode oh nice good timing Kirk, uh, there, was, there was a little little maneuvering to put that in the 250 slot. The score episode of Suicide Squad kind of moved it from 249
3: to 250. Nice. Kirk, I have an answer for you, buddy. Episode 68 of Two True Freaks. It was a Comics Monthly Monday episode. Um, it's entitled Arkham Asylum with Chris Johnson. How I found this was go to Google, put in Chris Johnson, Scott Gardner, Arkham Asylum, comes right up. So you should be able to find it easy. It's
0: one away from 69, dude. Dude. <laughs> you guys want to read one or two? Mm, sure. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bill didn't bring a book, and he doesn't want to read email. No, I, I wow. didn't know
3: if Scott had it up.
0: <laughs>
3: oh, yes. Oh, nice. All right, so we've got another one here from Kirk, and this was entitled George Tuska Art. He says, hey, Benzers, he says, the recent show that again stated how much you dislike George Tuska's artwork struck a chord with me. I thought the switch from Gene Colan to Tuska in Iron Man number 2 and for most of his first year or two on Shellhead's book was very distasteful. However, I recently discovered that one of the greatest arcs in uh, Captain America's history, the original Sleeper Saga, Tales of Suspense 72 through 74, actually contains George Tuska artwork. Except in this case, it's Tuska's pencils over Jack Kirby layouts. Still, it has some special charm that lives forever in my fanboy's heart. Uh, I hope you enjoy that arc, despite the Tuska artwork also. And that's from Kirk Greenfield, host of the Imperious, Confe- Imperious Rex rather, Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader podcast. Now, I have incredibly fond memories of the Sleeper Saga from its adaptation as i think it was a it was a two or three part uh captain america you know one of the captain america cartoons from the 60s marvel superheroes cartoons uh that they used to play on tv it's been a while since i've read the original comics that it comes from uh, you said here it's tales of suspense 72 through 74 i actually uh, hunted those down and, and purchased them off ebay a couple of years ago um, I, I'd been talking to somebody, and it might have been you, Paul. I forget, but I was talking to somebody about that sleeper saga, and it was bringing back all these memories of how much I loved that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But I realized I'd never actually read the original comics. So I, I hunted them down on eBay and, and bought them and have them in my collection. Um, I remember really liking that artwork, but what stands out in my memory is the Kirby in it. So I don't know that I ever realized that it was. Uh, inked by tusca i guess i, l- I looked or, or finished it by him
0: i looked over it and kind of in response to kirk's email just to kind of take a look at it again and what i ultimately thought was it's fairly well done and the kirbyness kind of overcomes the uh the tuscaness right uh but it, it looked to me like the Tuska inking made the artwork look more simplistic than normal kirby would to me right uh, right after that is uh, a run with Dick Ayers inking Kirby, and I, I just comparing them. I like that more. I think it looks better. So you know, George Tusker, I'm sure you know he was a competent artist, but he just you know he wasn't my cup of tea. That's all. Right. So all right, time to move on to the next one. Doctor Bill calling Doctor Bill. Uh, I had to pull it up. <laughs> so stop
3: that and read an email.
0: He's trying to let the dog out. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll, I'll read another one, Bill. No, Request... I've got it here. No, too, too late now. Request for future bins show. Again from Kirk Greenfield. Hey, Binzers. After listening to the latest show and your comments regarding Vince Coletta's inks, I had an inspiration for a future episode of your show. One of my most <laughs> the Vince fun. A,
3: the Vince Coletta podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Vince Coletta. Oh, God. Could you imagine that? One of my most fond memories from the early Jack Kirby Fantastic Four is a three-part arc where the evil, frightful four subvert the thing into turning on his teammates through the means of the wizard's ID machine. This arc runs FF 41, 42, and 43. mm -hmm. I would ask if you might review these three issues in sequence and look at the artwork, the pacing, the coloring, and plotting. Perhaps each of you might take one issue apiece and present it to the other two. The common denominator is is the inker is Vince Coletta. And I've always felt his inks lent a very special feel to these issues. I have a very special place have in my very heart little for the fight them? scenes oh, <laughs> that take place in front of robin egg blue bank walls inside the sub- blank. suburban... Blank I'm sorry, blank walls, I'm sorry. The suburban hideout of the evil FF. I'd like to know if these three issues speak to you three as well, and if you spot the weaknesses and strengths of these books as well. Kirk Greenfield, co-host of the Imperious Rex, Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader podcast. I would say I would not mind at all taking an episode and covering those three books in it and looking at the art more closely because I can't remember it that, that much off the top of my head. But my take on Vince Coletta is... Is not that he was not a talented artist, because I think he was. And you see, when he had books where he actually took his time and he didn't erase backgrounds and such, where he did a really nice job of inking some, you know, some of the art that he did. The problem is when he rushed to get the deadline and he would just kind of splash through them and you know, kind of ruin the in- initial artistic uh, impression given by the pencils and and erasing Kirby details is just really kind of unforgivable to me.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just read those issues not long ago. And what I'm discovering as I'm, you know, very slowly making my way through, you know, the, the early Marvel, you know, the beginnings of the Marvel universe is watching Kirby, who was, you know, the dominant artistic force, uh, you know, in the Marvel, you know, the, the nascent Marvel universe of the time is, watching his art but then watching who's inking what and how it feels and i did notice that coletta was the inker on that particular story and everything what's funny was that it wasn't it wasn't horrible i mean it, it wasn't great but it wasn't bad it wasn't as noticeable In that title, for some reason, that suddenly you went from whoever had inked the prior stories to now it was Vinnie Coletta, as it was in other uh, books that Kirby was doing. The one that's super noticeable to me every single time is Thor. Every time you go from any of the other inkers that were working on Kirby in Thor to Vinnie Coletta... It's like a slap in the face. I mean, you can't miss it because it suddenly goes from this rich world uh, that Kirby was was drawing with Thor to, you know, this this very thin line almost looks like it's uh, like it's being uh, printed from the pencils or something. It looks really just thin thin and under you know not overly defined it's very threadbare art if you know what i mean and it's it's very 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 noticeable that that was a title that that coletta was just doing a slapdash job on which is a shame because to me and i mean this is just you know to to someone who doesn't really you know i mean i'm just a layman when it comes to looking at this art but even to my eye, I can tell that you're going from something that, that Kirby was really putting a lot of effort and a lot of detail in, and, and it's just being butchered. I didn't see that, or at least I didn't notice that as prevalently with some of the other titles. Uh, again, noticeably, the, the Fantastic Four, I just, you know, it, it didn't feel that different to me than, than what had come before it. So for some reason... Um, it just doesn't seem like Kirby or excuse me, that Coletta was doing that to Kirby's FF the way he was doing it to Kirby's Thor. And I don't know what the difference is. I don't know. Was it personal preference? He he liked the FF more, so he spent a little more time with it. And Thor was just like, oh, my God, I got to get this done or he didn't care. You know, I, I would love to know what is the difference there? Why why hatchet one and not the other? And and again, that's just my perception of what it looks like but it, it really does it it would be interesting to to do uh, a, a comparison like you know bring those uh to the show sometime and do kind of a side-by-side comparison and see what we all thought
0: yeah i'm definitely up for that that could be fun what do you think i mean do have time for any more
3: uh let's see what's the next one look like well, here if we just... do
0: the last one then it's
1: uh then we're all cut up for the month of uh, we'll only have august emails so if we just do this last one
3: Sure. You want to take it? or you want me to take yeah, it? Yeah.
1: No, I got it. I got it. Subject is booklessness, and it's from Dion Balasakan. Mm-hmm. It says, "Hi, Dr. Bill, producer Paul, and semi-regular host Scott." Oh. <laughs> That was pretty cool hearing my message read on air, in quotations, during your booklessness episode. I imagine it might have been like finding your letter published in a comic book in the day. Oh, well, that's nice. That's cool. Anyway, I felt I had to write in again and explain the picture file that was included in my previous message. That was a photo of me and my Outrigger canoe crew at our first race in June. And I think I kind of nailed that on the head, kind of. No comments anyone? Okay. Uh, I don't
2: know if
1: it's on hey, head,
3: I said but, but you were close. I think oh, I said head. it was in
1: Hawaii. I don't think we knew he was in Hawaii, did we? I think I said it looks like a tropical area. Anyway.
3: Okay, now I remember the picture you're talking about. It was it was it was just not coming back to me until you said right. that. Okay, now I remember.
1: It says I am in seat 5 and trying my best not to pass out. Continue your great work, gentlemen, and as always, I look forward to new episodes on Saturday. PS Dr. Bill, good try with pronouncing my last name. You came close at getting it right in one of your attempts. You all can call me Dion B. Regards, Dion B.
0: <laughs> Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm jealous just because he lives in Hawaii. Hey, we. what about Florida? We live in Florida. It's, yeah, it's I know. I'm jealous because he lives in Hawaii. Hey, just because we're the penis of the United States. I think that's where we go out. <laughs> Always
3: would I say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebinsgmail.com at or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks internet radio network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corp of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts won't you thanks and we'll see you next week all right hold on i gotta
1: chase the cat out of here get out of here go get out of here i'm not feeding you go go Go! How about a boot to the ass? Now, go! Go, 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 go! Goddamn
2: cat.